When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Full of frustration. Full of despair. From years of hurt, disappointment, and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. Welcome to a special MLS UK show podcast as we look ahead to the MLS Cup playoffs. I'm Elliot Holman. And I'm Henry Hewitt. Loads to talk about, loads to get into, a special guest as well. But I'm presuming you want to rib me about Norwich because that's what you do normally. Yeah, but I mean... There's only so much I like to give out. Like, sure, it's funny that you boss me in the league. You you sacked the head coach that you loved, Daniel Farker. You then got the coach that failed at Aston Villa in. Um, it, it just looks like you're not going to probably win another game for the rest of the season. But, you know, I, I, let's be positive today. We can talk about Norwich anytime, and we probably will do, uh, especially going into next season when it'd be the end of the Premier League season. But... Let's be positive. It's playoff time. They call Christmas the most wonderful time of the year. That's nothing. It's playoffs. MLS playoffs is the real wonderful time of the year. Uh, How excited are you going into the playoffs this weekend? Really? We've spoken, uh, well, I've spoken about how I've not really been into MLS as much this year, just because I feel like we're playing the same teams. And that's true. We are. We played one side from the West, uh, and that was one of the best in SKC, typically. And yeah, I've kind of, I've not stayed up for as many games. It's just, it's not felt as exciting to me. However, now the playoffs are here, not from an Orlando point of view, but in general, I am here for it. You know, I love these because they're just wild. The last two or three years, especially have been so good. We've had a week off from it, haven't we? With the, um, that the international matches happening now that they're over. 
will really ramp it up. We will ramp up the playoffs. All the interviews will come in. Everyone's doing their brackets. Don't worry, we'll do ours as well. Uh, So, uh, yeah, so much to be excited about. And such a bumper show today. As Elliot said, we've got a special guest on, uh, ESPN lead commentator, John Champion, broadcasting legend, is going to be on the show uh, talking about the playoffs. Uh, We'll be doing our brackets, as I said. We're also going to be getting uh, inspiration from uh, the Spirits. We're going to be hearing from the Spirits to find out which teams will be having good playoffs. Um, oh, and I almost forgot. We're going to try and get John Champion to do a crisis right as well. So uh, <laughs> What we'll, could possibly go wrong? <laughs> lots to look forward to. We're going to try and cram it all into the next hour or so. Thank you for joining us. But first, as we always do, let's start with a game of the game with a changing name. I'm slightly worried John Champion's going to correct me on my stats and figures in the crisis right. He probably will. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with a player who has played both in the UK and in MLS. This is um, a bit of a last minute one. We were just about to start the podcast and I went, oh, I haven't got a, I haven't got a player for the game with a change in name. I don't know where I've plucked this one from. I apologise in advance. <laughs> uh, so this player started their career at Estoril in 2004 to 2005. So um, Portuguese club in Lisbon. Okay. Um, then they played for uh, Boa Vista 42 times between 2005 to 2007. Right. Presuming you currently have no idea. Mm. Yeah, I'm just struggling. Uh, they then went to Reading. Reading. Yes. Right. 90 appearances for Reading between 2007 to 2010. Okay. Again, I'm giving you a chance to buzz in just in case, because I will be impressed. Uh, Nothing so far. Go on. Okay. Uh, Then Bristol City, 2010 to 2012, 61 appearances. Right. And then, what a move. New England Revolution in 2013. Leaves Bristol for New England Revolution. Uh, He played a huge six times. (laughs) No goals. Uh, Before moving to Derby in 2013. Played three times. Right. And then in 2014, guess where he went? Um, I'll give you three guesses. Is it an MLS team? No. Okay. Uh, is it a championship team? No. Is it an English team? No. Right. Now give, give me a club. Uh, Galatasaray. Wrong. It's Bangkok United. I can't oh. believe you didn't get that. They were the second team. They were on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I, I'm sure they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was uh, Bangkok Glass on the tip of your tongue because that's where you moved to next. And then 29 appearances for uh, Tero Sasana uh, and then the Central Coast Mariners in 2018-2019. Right, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I get it straight away. Some other times I, um, well, I I feel, oh, I might get that later in the podcast. At the moment, I ain't going to get that. Okay, Uh, let us know if you think you've got it. Uh, This is a player who... (laughs) Was born in 1984 in France, uh, played for Estoril, Boa Vista, Reading, Bristol, New England Revolution, Derby, Bangkok, uh, Terro Sasana and Central Coast Mariners. If you do know, uh, tweet us at MLS UK show, put it in the comments on YouTube. I'm willing to say that you are a uh, a genius if you work <laughs> out who that is. Um, probably either a Reading or a Derby fan, or a Bristol City fan, or maybe a New England Revolution fan. Maybe you remember that player who played six times for you. But uh, yeah, uh, let us know. We'll reveal all at the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know the player. I just never knew half of those teams, and I don't know the first thing about them. So I'll be impressed. Good luck. Okay, before we get into it, 
shall we cross live to me and you, but in sponsor form? The MLS UK Show. Welcome back. Uh, this is the MLS UK Show brought to you by Soccer90. Uh, head to Soccer90.com for all of your MLS merch. They've got every single team, whether you're in the postseason or not. Don't worry. Uh, you can get your colours, get your merch and add MLS UK at the checkout for 25% off. Yes, there's also international teams and European teams available as well. And if you head to our socials at MLS UK Show on Twitter and Instagram, you can watch our Soccer 90 90 Second Soccer videos. Every Friday, me and Elliot do a video, which is, as you guessed, 90 seconds long. And it's normally about the upcoming games in MLS. But last weekend, because they were none, we did our Dark Horses for MLS Cup. Check it out. Yeah, and you can grab yourself an England shirt at Soccer90.com, ready for the World Cup, because we're going, baby. Yeah, not me and you. We're not going to Qatar. It's too hot, but we'll be watching on TV. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show. So as you would have realised by now, across the season, me and Elliot don't actually know that much about MLS. Well, we (laughs) pretend to, but we get a lot wrong. A man who does know a lot and is a broadcasting legend. He is the ESPN lead football commentator, If you were from this country, you'll remember him from Match of a Day, ITV, and even Pro Evolution Soccer back in the day. Uh, Delighted to say, joining us now on the MLS UK show for a second time, it's John Champion. How are you, John? Thank you very much. And greetings from Boston, where it is, as the locals say, a beautiful, crisp fall morning, which means it's blooming chilly. (laughs) (laughs) We're very, very jealous that you're over in the States. Of course, we are now allowed to to come over and uh, and making plans as we speak. But uh, John, my first time speaking to you, because I know you spoke to to Henry um, Soli last time. Uh, So uh, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. No, I'm looking forward to reinforcements arriving now that my countrymen are allowed into the United (laughs) States because it's been quite a lonely existence for the last 18 months with everyone barred. Now you're allowed out again to travel and and, and cover MLS and uh, soccer in general. Um, You'll have visited lots of different stadiums. I want to talk about the comparison to stadiums here in the UK, but more specifically, those new ones that we're seeing now uh, in in MLS, obviously Columbus, Austin, uh, FC Cincinnati as well. They certainly look amazing from from this side of the pond on the telly. What, What are they like? They are. I mean, you talk about MLS stadiums and there are really two sorts. One is the old NFL stadiums that the original MLS teams used to play in and some still do. And then there's this new breed of soccer-specific stadiums, which is MLS's wording. And of course, in a bid document, if you want to pay your $350 million to buy an MLS franchise, you have to guarantee that you will build a soccer-specific stadium. And so we now have this wave from the recent expansion of Austin, Columbus, Cincinnati. Before that, it was teams like LAFC, Minnesota United. And what you're getting is stadiums that physically, at least, look like European arenas because The spectators are close to the pitch. The stands are steeply banked. The capacity is not over-ambitious. So Cincinnati, which we went to for US-Mexico on Friday night, is in my mind the best of the new breed. The first time that I'd been there. And that was like walking into Loftus Road on steroids or (laughs) Carrow Road. I know, Elliot, you have certain sensibilities in a Norwich City direction. And you will recall just how good the atmosphere can be at Carrow Road when the team is at it. Well, if you think of an even tighter arena, same capacity, 26,000 or thereabouts, but more steeply banked and more wrapped in so the noise stays in, then that is Cincinnati. Um, And crucially as well, all these new stadiums have natural grass, the grass that we would have in our gardens at home, rather than this wretched word turf that you keep hearing 
in American soccer, which is what Seattle have got because it's an NFL stadium, what Portland have got, even though it is the Timbers stadium, because historically there's been uh, this artificial turf there. I think that will that will stop in the next two or three years, thankfully. But the fact that there is proper grass makes such a difference to the spectacle that you see. And uh, I wanted to ask you more specifically about Columbus. Um, we mentioned it on the on the podcast last week. I feel controversially like the Columbus Stadium is a little more boring than the likes of the Austin Stadium. Oh, you're not planning on travelling physically to Columbus anytime soon, I hope. Well, not anymore. <laughs> I'm not allowed. <laughs> it's actually, it's really good, Columbus. I will defend it. They have done it really well. And it's only because I've just been to Cincinnati on a special night for US-Mexico and seen it absolutely rocking um, that, that I probably am saying I prefer Cincinnati. I just think Cincinnati's got something a little bit extra about it. But Columbus is, it's really good when you walk into it. I was very impressed. And they've got this area, the Nordecki, with the beer garden behind it as well, which accommodates three, three and a half thousand of the noisiest and most raucous crew supporters. So I think actually if you walked into lower.com field, as we have to call it, um, I think you'd be really impressed. I think it's better for visiting. Um, and all of the stadiums, the new ones, have got something about them that is unique. Yes, there's a basic template that MLS have obviously encouraged ownerships to use to build the stadium in terms of the size and the rough layout uh, and having a safe standing area as well at one end of the pitch. But I think Columbus have done it well. But there's a, there's a different character about Columbus to Cincinnati, to Austin, to Minnesota, to LAFC, both in terms of the physical building and the support that they have and what it feels like, sounds like to be inside. Well, I heard I heard Beer Garden, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> uh, so, John, do you think then, that, say we compare it to the, the Premier League, for example, or, or British teams, do you think um, that there is still that sort of variety of the type of fan depending on which team? Because I guess here in the UK, yeah, there's a difference between us Northerners and Elliot, who's a Southerner. But uh, I guess in, uh, you know, in, in the States, you have got... It, well, it's, it's as if it's 50 different countries in one. So is there a, a particular fan base that you enjoy, uh, you know, having that experience the most? Or what's your favourite? Um, LAFC is really noisy. They've been a bit quieter lately because the results have been so poor. Um, but when they are chasing down a playoff place at the end of the season or when they're in the playoffs, as they have been in previous years, and playing big games... That's a fascinating mix of the European and the South American when you walk in there. And I still can't decide which prevails. Um, am I watching a game akin to being in Argentina or Brazil, or am I watching a game akin to being in England or Germany or France or Spain? Um, and, and that's intriguing in its own way. Austin have come in um, this year and they've been really noisy. That's a, that's a good atmosphere. In terms of the older, more traditional ones, I think Portland takes some beating. Yeah. Not least because they're playing in a stadium, Providence Park, which is unique because it's developed organically. It was a baseball field for many years, Multnomah Field. Um, and gradually, since Merrick Paulson took over 15 years ago, he's invested money in upgrading the stadium. It holds 25,000. And there is a sense of a palpable sense of history about it because it's it's been the Timbers home since 1975, which is the equivalent of 1888, the, the start of the Football League. 1975 is is day zero, really, for American soccer professionally with the advent of the NASL. So I really enjoy going there because there is a very deep and long-standing understanding of the game. And there is that sense of history, which is what some of these places at the moment inevitably miss. But Portland has, has really got it. And to go there for a big game is a, is a, special, a special feeling. 
Yeah, I've got to say that when, uh, you know, me and Elliot will discuss all the time which of the grounds that we want to visit in the States. Portland is always top of our list because it just looks, it looks incredible. And like you said, the design of a stadium is is so unique that they have built it from baseball. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I feel I'd have to go when at least they scored. If, if I went and they didn't score a goal and I didn't see Timber Joey uh, <laughs> with his chainsaw, then I would have to stick around for a few more weeks just to get to see it. I think when you do go, I mean, just consider the fact that Pele played his last ever professional game at Providence Park, um, that Elvis Presley played there in 1957. So it's not just the soccer. It's the fact that this venue has been so important to a significant city like Portland for, for so many years, but they've really taken the timbers to their heart. And the other thing that I think you'll enjoy is that it's walking distance from the city centre. So wherever you're staying, you can just walk up this long street, up a slight hill, a bit like going into Newcastle, St. James's Park, where the ground sits on a hill overlooking the rest of the city. Um, You can just walk up and there are bars and restaurants and cafes either side. And there is a proper fan culture there. It's not manufactured. It's not, we've got to develop a fan culture. It's something that just organically has grown over the last nearly 50 years. And I think it's all the better for that. I know, John, that you may have to be careful what you say because you work as a broadcaster, but when you see like MLS and uh, all these um, interesting ways of promoting stuff, like Rivalry Week, for example, sponsored by Heineken, um, do you feel that that is kind of pushing manufacturing this rivalry or do you think they're just trying to get it to a spot where it will naturally develop into something, say, in another 10 or 15 years' time? I mean, are you asking me as a representative of ESPN, where Major League Soccer's coverage is presented by Audi? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you want me to, to look at this through the lens of the Continental Tire Analyst Corner? I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> professional sport in America, and this is not just MLS, but professional sport across the United States is a business proposition, and it's how you best monetize it. And it's no coincidence that a sports outfit here is a franchise, whereas in Europe we have a club and a club has a beating heart, a franchise has a bank account. And if that bank account can be boosted by having Heineken Rivalry Week or Decision Day in association with whoever, then it will happen. Heineken Rivalry Week, I always have a bit of an issue with because there are some good rivalries. Portland, Seattle is terrific. LALA has grown into something significant. But I went to do New York City against the Red Bulls about a month ago at Red Bull Arena. It holds 25,000. They gave the official attendance as 18,000. And I promise you, if there were 4,500 there, they probably counted them twice. So I'm a little sceptical. But the game needs to grow. And if this is a means to grow it in the minds of some fans, then that's fine. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned their decision day. Uh, That is something that recently I've had to explain to a a British football fan. And they looked at me with this blank expression. Uh, We're like, well, it's decision day, but you're going into the playoffs. So it's not deciding anything. But I think they they could tell with a smile on my face that um, I've really bought into it. You, of course, were at Nashville uh, Red Bulls for decision day. Um, looking at a team like Nashville then because we often say on the podcast that these you look at Austin this year they've struggled Nashville are kind of a a shining light that haven't been shone on as much as into Miami or um, or Austin how did you rate your experience in Nashville or your experiences in Nashville and also how do you rate them going into the playoffs what a great city I mean a real party place and obviously the country music scene everyone knows about but it's a lot more than that it's almost a a mini Vegas. Um, secondly, they gave us a tour of the new stadium, albeit from outside because it's still a building site. They're hoping to be in there by next April. 
Um, and that is going to be, again, in the vanguard of the best new arenas. It's going to be slightly bigger than most. It's going to hold 30,000. Again, it sits on a slight hill uh, within walking distance of, of the city at the old showgrounds, the fairgrounds area of, of Nashville. So I think that will be a big success. And then the game itself in Nissan, which is the home of the Tennessee Titans normally, was really good as an event because they had nearly 30,000 people there. So it was their biggest crowd of the season. It looked and sounded noisy. They had to open up areas of the stadium and they weren't expecting to have to utilise that day. And as ever, Nashville gave a very gritty and impossible to beat performance. 18 draws, just four defeats, the hardest team to beat in Major League Soccer and the joint best defence. And no one is going to want to play them in the playoffs. And I got the chance to spend some time with Gary Smith, um, who is a course and distance specialist when it comes to MLS through Colorado in 2010 and, and winning the title. And I don't think he's ever got the credit in the UK for his coaching achievements that perhaps he he deserves. He's been very much a, a man in the shadows in England. So he had that stint in charge of Stevenage. And I remember calling a Stevenage game when he was there against Tottenham. They took Tottenham to a, an FA Cup fifth round replay, but it didn't work out there. But if you mention his name to managers at any level in the UK, they'll say, oh, yeah, the, I know him from Watford, where he ran the academy, or Arsenal, where he was a prominent scout, or Tottenham, or whatever. And they all know his dad, Roger, as well, who is a very prominent figure in the coaching and scouting world. So I've got a lot of time for, for Gary, because he doesn't really care what people think about his team in terms of being accused of being boring or unambitious or playing for a draw. I don't buy into any of those, by the way, because they're, I think, the fourth highest scorers in MLS this season. But what he does do is he's a bit like Roy Hodgson. He builds from the back and they just don't concede goals. So they've got a really firm base now to go into the playoffs. And I think they could cause mayhem, potentially, because it also doesn't matter whether they're playing home or away. They could take anyone to penalties at the very least. Um, and then it becomes a lottery as to, to who goes through. We've got teams that are coming into the playoffs like uh, Atlanta and New York Red Bulls who have almost come from come from nowhere, <laughs> uh, Vancouver as well, uh, and teams that have been there, you know, New York City have been there the whole time but ended up finishing level with, with Atlanta. Um, so when you're looking at, at form, it may be different to looking at the home advantage and who's just generally been a better, more consistent side. Um, we're, we're looking at our, looking at our brackets uh, and, and filling those in. If you, if I had to put you on the spot, are you, are you going for a, going for a Seattle or a Portland, someone who's always there, or are you happy to throw, throw a Nashville into the ring? I mean, I'll throw a Nashville into the ring. Um, I, I, my gut feeling if you press me against a wall with a gun to my head is that Nashville might just come up a little bit short but what an achievement to get as far as they've got and be a real factor I, I've got a sneaking fancy despite saying that they're out of form for Sporting Kansas City from the west just because I think Alan Polito's coming back in the Mexican striker who to me is just about the best all-round striker in the league except that he's not fit enough of the time um, they've got Johnny Russell in fantastic form Shallowy who is an MVP contender and quality throughout the side. Isimat Marine, the French defender they brought in, played for PSV for many years, is, according to Peter Vermees, the best defender in the league. Again, he's had injury problems, but all these players are coming back in at the right time. So I think they'll give other sides a real run for their money in the side of the bracket that I think has greater quality in it, the West. Um, I know that sounds strange because of what New England have done, but New England have done it in the weaker conference, as far as I'm concerned. So... Um, it, it adds to that sense of fascination, West versus East, because West is so different to East. Um, so, yeah, 
Press me against the wall, I'll go sporting Kansas City at this stage. And we haven't, of course, seen uh, many cross-conference games. Uh, I mean, you mentioned SKC, uh, they played Orlando in the East, but we certainly haven't seen seen many teams playing each other. So it's hard to kind of gauge, you know, when they've only played each other, it looks like the West is stronger, but it it, it may turn out completely differently, of course. It, it could do. I mean, Columbus won it last year, didn't they? Um, and, and the West, I thought, was stronger again last year. And this is the thing about playoffs. I mean, my first full season here, 2019, LAFC were, I think, even more head and shoulders above the rest of the field than New England have been in the East this year. And yet they folded in the playoffs against Seattle. So it, it's a different discipline um, getting through the playoffs. And for that reason, you have to include Seattle, despite their poor end to the season. But it looks like they're going to be without Nico Ladero, their heartbeat. Raul Rui Diaz has gone down injured for the second time in recent weeks. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hesitant over Seattle. I was with Casey Keller, um, who is, you know, iconic former Seattle goalkeeper, TV analyst, watches them every week. He was on our coverage of US-Mexico last week. And I said, can we expect the usual uh, late autumn surge from the Sounders? And he, sh- he shook his head. Mm. He is sceptical as whether they c- whether they can actually produce it this year, given the significant absences in their ranks. Uh, you mentioned Seattle there and, of course, uh, like Portland and teams like that. We are, When we're doing our preview, we're kind of looking at, we're putting New England up at the top and then we're concentrating on the teams just below them who could challenge it. Uh, New England were dominant in the regular season, but we know that there is a jinx between the Supporters' Shield and then going on to win MLS Cup. How much pressure is on New England to turn this into an MLS Cup? Um, and uh, of course, Bruce Arena has has done it before. But is there is there a pressure on them to do it? I think there is a pressure. I don't think it's akin to a pressure that that we would understand in Europe. You know, it's it's not like um, a manager who is under threat for his job if he doesn't win a trophy. Because I think New England have had a major result already, and they're playing football that. The, the public are happy with. Um, but the, the sport is not the nation's conversation here in the way that it is, particularly in the UK. So it's not as if people are walking down the street in Boston in earnest discussion over Bruce Arena's tactical approach in the playoffs. Um, there isn't that scrutiny. So it's a question really of how you define pressure. But there is an expectation, certainly, that New England will carry this through because they've been so many points better than so many other teams. And I say, I I specifically say so many points better because I'm not convinced they are the best team in the league. Um, For all their statistical success this season, they've ground uh, results out. But I live 25 miles from Gillette Stadium. And uh, whilst if Carlos Hill has a good day or Gustavo Bo has a good day, they can be attractive to watch. They don't thrill me in the way that LAFC a couple of years ago could thrill me. So... Um, theirs is a more pragmatic brand of football. They've got some very good players, not as many good players as a number of the other teams, but what Arena is a specialist at is getting the very best out of what he has. Well, you said there that we don't wow you. Who who does wow you in MLS? Who do you enjoy watching? Well, LAFC, I know they've not made the playoffs, but on their day, they're still really good. If Vela's playing, Christian Arango has been a big success when he's come in, but they are falling from grace and I'll be surprised if there isn't a change of manager there for next season. Uh, I'll also be moderately surprised if Carlos Vela returns. The club have an option on him, but he's out of contract. Um, I look elsewhere around the league, though, and I don't think there are as many thrilling outfits this year as there have been. Uh, I really enjoy watching Portland. Um, And if I was 
going to be at one particular first round playoff, it would be Portland, Minnesota, because I really enjoy Minnesota as well. Um, not least because of Emmanuel Reynoso, who I think is the most exciting player in the league. If you had to select one of the the big, expensive, largely South American playmakers, so Zellerion would be in the same category, I would take Reynoso because he can grab a game by the scruff of the neck and bend reality to his will in a way that only the very good players can. And Adrian Heath, who is, as you know, is, you could say long in the tooth, should we just say a veteran manager, hugely successful playing career in the top division in, in England before that and in Spain. He says that wherever he's managing in the world, he would take Reynoso with him and he could play at any level, um, which I find interesting. Um, and I think you look elsewhere in that Minnesota side, Robin Lurd, um, uh, I, I, I just think that they, they have the ability to lift themselves on the day. So Portland and Minnesota, I think, is an outstanding game. And they are two of the teams that I would pay to watch in this league off the back of their performances this season. I'm aware Henry wants to talk to you about the, the US men's national team just quickly before uh, we get you to play a round of the uh, the crisis right, which I'm sure you're going to love. Uh, so I'll, I'll let Henry jump in. How do you rate the US men's national team where they are at the moment? Because to me, looking from this side of the pond, is the, the fan base treat the US national team similar to how we do in England. When they win, they're the best team in the world. And when they lose, they're the worst. Would you agree with that? Yes, very similar. It's a, it's a different fan base to MLS, a different fan base to Premier League soccer over here or any of the other European leagues that are televised. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very black and white. There's no grey areas with the US men's national team. So where are they at the moment? I think maturing. They're a very young side. I mean, the, the team that played in the game before the Mexico game against Costa Rica... Uh, where they came from behind to win, was the youngest team they'd ever fielded. And the average age was less than 23, which is, it's a kindergarten. Um, and yet you've got players at top European clubs. So in the, the roster that they named for the Mexico game, nine of them were from top five league clubs in Europe. So there is a, an amount of quality there that they've probably not had on a consistent basis before. Yes, they've had a good player here and a good player there. They've always had very very good goalkeepers. But now they've got potentially a very good goalkeeper in Stefan. Some would argue too, with Matt Turner in there as well, who was unfortunate to be left out. But you've got Gio Reyna, you've got Weston McKenney, you've got Tyler Adams, you've got Christian Pulisic when he's fit. All of them playing regularly at the very highest level in Europe in the Champions League, not just their domestic leagues. So it is, it is different this time. And we're also starting to see the benefits of the academy system that was set up over a decade ago in the United States, because these good young players are getting very early chances, some in MLS and some with European sides. So they're developing earlier. They're not having to go through the college system and emerging into the professional world, blinking and staring at the age of 22 or 23. They're being picked up before college at 15, 16, 17. And in MLS terms, they're getting a chance. Ricardo Pepe you know, playing at 15 and at 16 in senior men's football. And we're starting to see the benefits of, of that now. So I think there is more reason to be hopeful about this American team, particularly with a co-hosted Home World Cup five years away, uh, than there has been, I think, probably ever before in their history. Pepe is, there's lots of rumours going about that he's going to leave Dallas for Europe. Now, we've seen Aronson and, and players like that, like uh, Mackenzie go to like, uh, Belgium and uh, Austria and, and countries like that. Where do you see Pepe? Have you seen enough of him to go, he could go to England or will he have to make that sort of leap over to Europe and play in one of the, uh, let's call it the six to ten leagues in Europe? 
It's a good question. I don't doubt that he's got the potential to play at the very top level at some stage. I think it showed against Mexico that against better opposition, he's still got quite a lot to learn. Uh, he bullied uh, a couple of the other CONCACAF opponents in earlier qualifiers. Um, Jamaica in particular also did well against Costa Rica. Um, but uh, Mexico was a step up and it would be another step or two up to play in a top five European league on a regular basis. So maybe he does need to go to uh, an Austria or a Belgium as a, a stepping stone. He's still only 18. Or does he go to a big European club and they loan him back to Dallas for another year? Because that wouldn't harm his development to have one more year in, in MLS. The one thing I would say conclusively with Pepe is that wherever he goes, he has to play. Because otherwise, there's no point. There's, there's no point in him going to Chelsea, for example, and becoming one of 47 players that are just ignored, either languishing in the under-23s or sent out with no particular care and attention to play on loan somewhere. That's no good to him. He's got to go somewhere where close attention will be paid to his development and he will get regular minutes at a high level. So for that reason, it makes me wonder whether maybe, maybe being bought by a big club, not in the Premier League at this stage, because I, I think other European clubs would take greater care of the development of a player. So maybe go to Germany, uh, maybe go to Spain, maybe go to Italy, and then perhaps have a loan spell either back to Dallas or with another club, but be under their wing rather than just sort of sent out and they hope that they get lucky, which is what Chelsea would do with him. Um, John, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, genuine pleasure to speak to somebody who kind of understands the UK perspective and the UK spin on, on MLS and, and life over in America. Before we go, we have to introduce you to uh, our game, The Price is Right. Uh, which is very much like The Price is Right in that uh, it's just a higher or lower game. Uh, and every week the subject is different. Um, because uh, we're approaching the uh, the postseason, uh, I thought we'd take a look at the final standings in, in MLS, in the East and the West, uh, and the differences between July and now, because things have changed quite a little bit. So, for example, uh, I will say to you, uh, you know, uh, Nashville were fourth in, in, in mid-July in uh, in the east uh, and then i will say nycfc higher or lower okay and we'll just go we'll go through some teams are you, are you happy to play along oh yes 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 so this is at that moment in time time stood still in july absolutely uh okay john champion come on down come and play the price is right the price is right uh so uh, as i explained nashville fourth in mid-july in the east were nycfc higher or lower Higher. They were lower. It was fifth. Uh, Philadelphia, higher or lower than fifth? Lower. Oh, it was higher. They were third. Oh. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Uh, this is easy, this one. Higher or lower than third? Columbus. Oh, lower. Lower. They were ninth. Uh, Cincinnati, higher or lower than ninth in mid-July? Oh, no. Um, lower. <laughs> that was an easy one. Yeah, 11th. Uh, and... <laughs> Into Miami, higher or lower than 11th in mid-July? Mid-July. Now, they did have a bit of a sort of mid-season revival, but I think that came a bit later than that, so I'm going to go lower. Correct, 13th. Very good. We move on to the west. Uh, Portland were 8th in mid-July. Were Houston higher or lower? Houston fell away, but they were never very good, so I'm going to go lower. They were 7th, so just, just higher. Uh, higher or lower than 7th? Vancouver. Lower. Yeah, an easy one, 13th. Uh, San Jose, higher or lower than 13th? Higher. They were 11th, so that's correct. Austin, higher or lower than 11th? Lower. 
they were higher by one place. They were tenth, believe it or not. Uh, and finally, uh, yeah, you might struggle with this one: higher or lower than tenth, Colorado Rapids. <laughs> higher. They were higher. Fourth. It's a good. It's good. Very good. Much better than you, Henry. I'll be honest. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt. MLS UK show. An absolute pleasure to speak to John Champion on the MLS UK show, a uh, broadcasting legend here in the UK and in the States as well. Yes, and the first ever contestant other than me to play with Christ is right as well. Such a good sport. Yeah, he's way better than you as well. <laughs> uh, now, um, we've been talking MLS Cup playoffs, of course, with John, and it's time now for the bit that I've been waiting for because I'm excited about this. I love doing this every year and getting it wrong and then <laughs> redoing it and getting it wrong again. Uh, it's time for our MLS Cup playoffs bracket challenge. So which uh, side do you want to start? I guess the left side, as yeah, we look at it on the website, makes is... Sense. Uh, MLS have it as the West. Yes. So, go on then. The first match, uh, Portland v Minnesota. The winners go on to play Colorado. At Colorado, who do you think is going to win? Uh, I've gone for Portland here. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record, mm. but when you come to Portland and a couple of other teams, especially in the West, you do feel like it's it goes against everything you believe in not to back them to do the business because um, they've got that experience. Um, especially the coaches, seems to be the same coaches um, year after year. So I've gone for Portland to beat Minnesota, um, but I think it'll be close. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it's tough to rule Minnesota out because mm. as we've seen across the years in MLS, they are getting better. Uh, they're becoming more of a force. I think this year has been an up and down season for them, although they have got into the playoffs in the end and they've got some good results at the end of the season. However, I've got to agree with you. I'm going home advantage. Portland, have, uh, especially since the summer months, have been really good. So, uh, yeah, I'm going Portland as well. I would have um, I would have backed Minnesota against Vancouver, yeah. against RSL. Um, you know, Would I'll, you have backed Man- uh, Minnesota if they were at home? That would have been a different ball game for me. Yeah. Um, I would have really had to th- have a think about that. Um, Portland for me, though, at home in the MS Cup. Yeah. Uh, so the next two games, SKC versus Vancouver and Seattle v RSL. I mean, we could go into these, but I've got a feeling we're both going to say the same <laughs> outcome and it's going to be with the home sides. Yeah, for me, Vancouver kind of uh, crept up late to the party. It's been a good season. We've discussed this and we don't need to go into this. We've discussed it in the last episode. If you missed our uh, our episode where we uh, almost sort of reviewed every team's season and, and where they finished, we spoke about how, Van- how Vancouver done really well to get there. Yeah. Um, but I have back sport in Kansas City because they've been a really, really, really strong side this year. Uh, could easily have, uh, have won the West. Uh, and, and likewise, I'm sure you've probably gone for Seattle against RSL. Yeah, I have. I mean, RSL showed they could go to SKC and get a win. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure RSL would like nothing better to go to Seattle, especially with Freddy Juarez as the assistant head coach at Seattle yeah. and getting a win. But it, this is Seattle. I mean, they've got the experience. They've got the players that know what to do in the playoffs. They know how to get through it. Of course, their head coach, Brian Schmetzer, Tons of experience in the playoffs. So I just don't... I, if Seattle are going to go out, I just don't see it happening at home to RSL. So, yeah, we've gone for Portland then, SKC and Seattle. So that means that it's Colorado versus Portland in the first conference semi. Yeah, um, and we've got Sporting Kansas City against Seattle, which is tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll start with Colorado v Portland. Colorado won the West. Mm-hmm. I reckon we've both done the same thing here. I'm I'm gonna go for Portland to win. 
I was hoping you'd go to Colorado because I have got a funny feeling with Portland. The thing with Colorado, they remind me of Philadelphia last year who won the East and then got into the playoffs. Mm. We all know that Philadelphia don't have um, a lot of experience in the playoffs. And it's the same. Colorado do, of course. I mean, they're one of the OGs of MLS. So as a, as a franchise, they do have experience in the playoffs. Recent experience, they don't have that much. So that does worry me. But just because you're going for Portland, I'm going to go for Colorado. Oh, okay. Um, the next one, uh, it would be at Seattle, wouldn't it? If um, because they finished above SKC in the standings. I want to do it. I want to do two brackets. I want to do this one, which is what, what I genuinely believe, and I want to do another one with what I want <laughs> because what I've gone for here is Seattle to beat SKC, and that that sets up a Portland v Seattle hmm. conference final. Cascadia Cascadia Cup final if you will um, but we've seen it so many times and I'm, I'm almost I almost don't want it <laughs> uh, well I'm going to go for Seattle as well whether they're at home or away just to set up a true match to decide who the kings of the West are this season Colorado v Seattle um, I'm going to go for Seattle to win that one that would be at Colorado's um, stadium so I'm putting Seattle in MLS Cup from the West. What are you doing with yours? Exactly the same. I've gone for <laughs> Seattle. Uh, it's it's logical. It makes sense. They've got a great roster. They've got great depth. They've got uh, Jordan Morris. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but I, I just, my head's telling me that. And, you know, if I was to do it the way I wanted it, I'd have Minnesota to win. I'd have Vancouver to win. I'd have RSL to yeah, win. Yeah. Mix it up a bit. <laughs> but I just, uh, it's not what I'm feeling. Okay, so we've both gone for Seattle to be in MLS Cup. Yep. That means that, uh, realistically, it's New England. If they get to the final, that means it will be at uh, MLS. The MLS Cup will be at New England. Other than that, it might be actually be at Seattle. But let's go to the East End. See let, me, let me tell you, in my pick, it will be at Seattle. Oh, okay, right. Let's get cracking. And so on the East, we know New England are already in the semis and they'll have a home match. Um, so we're going to start with NYC versus Atlanta. The winner of these would face New England in New England. Uh, this is at Yankee Stadium where we'll start with you, the non-Atlanta fan, uh, Orlando fan, who Orlando got a bit of beef with both NYC and Atlanta. Mm. So uh, where would you see this going? I think this is the toughest game to call out of the whole MLS Cup playoffs. Wow. Uh, both teams have got their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Both teams have got serious firepower as well. I've gone for NYCFC, home advantage, if that's what you can call it. I uh, don't know where it's going to be. Um, and that's, it's not from an Orlando point of view. I just, I don't know. I just feel like Atlanta were kind of lucky to get where they did in the end. Not lucky, but they, they kind of came from nowhere like Vancouver. And I think NYC have, be, NYC have been more consistent. Um, this hurts me. It really does hurt me. You I agree. I, I'm basing this on home advantage, I've got to be honest with you. And I think this home advantage in this is, is more prominent because, let's face it, if it was the other way around, you would go for Atlanta at, at the Benz to win the game. Yeah. NYC, both these sides finished on the same points, you remember, as well. So mm -hmm. there's not, not much in it at all. NYC FC have had a great home record this season. And uh, Atlanta, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't trust them as much away. So, unfortunately... I'm going with NYC. But then that saves Atlanta getting a, a pasting at New England. So it's not the worst <laughs> thing. Um, okay, let's do Nashville v. Orlando then. That's the uh, the next one on the card here. Well, um, you go first then. Well, Nashville famously unbeaten at home. 
this season, but they did draw nine of those matches. So that does worry me a, a little bit. Orlando um, are, are still adjusting to playoff life. We saw last year, you went through against New York and then and got beat to New England. I, this isn't as straightforward as you may think it would be, being that one of the teams is unbeaten at home. I am going to go with Nashville, just because I don't want to say Orlando if I'm not saying Atlanta. <laughs> but... Uh, this isn't straightforward. This is one I could actually see going to penalties, actually. I, I agree. I think if Orlando get anything from this, I think it's it's gone uh, certainly outside of the first 90 minutes. Mm. Um, my, my head tells me Nashville. Been a good side this year. Can't take that away from them. Undefeated at home. Really impressive. I like them as a club. I like watching them as a team. I, I don't see Orlando have been quite erratic this year, I don't see them going there and, and getting a result. Goodness me, I hope I'm wrong because if they go through, I'm going to America. <laughs> so there's so much riding on this, but I just I can't see it. I think the fact that it means I get to go to America for the first time since 2018 automatically means they're not going to do it. No, so I, I'll leave it there. Uh, I've got to say though, Orlando beating Montreal a few weeks ago um, in an, in a must win game away from home. That for Orlando fans, I would say that should give you a bit of hope, thinking that you well, you've gone to a team there where you needed a win. It was away from home, backs against the wall a little bit, and you 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 shone. You won the game two 0 and that could easily happen again. But we're both going for Nashville, uh, Philadelphia v Red Bulls. Then, uh, as we said, Philadelphia not a great record in the playoffs, but difference to last season, there's less pressure on them this time. Yeah, uh, as I said, uh, if Orlando progress, I'll be going uh, going over to America. Uh, if they play Red Bulls, it would be at home. Mm-hmm. So naturally, I've chosen Philadelphia to win because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. Uh, but no, I genuinely think Philly have Philly have been a much uh, more complete side this year, much more consistent. Um, got much more in a one off game to offer. I think so. Uh, I've gone for Philly to uh, to play Nashville. Um. Annoyingly, it looks like we're going for exactly the same in all three games. Philadelphia to win. Red Bulls have showed the best form going into the playoffs. That's why they've got into it. But um, Philadelphia are very good at home. And um, it's difficult to say because obviously Red Bulls going in with form, you'd think, oh, right, well, they'll continue that form. They've had a two-week break. Maybe that'll just disrupt things a little bit. And uh, yeah, you can't look past Philly at home. I think Philly at home to anyone, and I include New England in that, at home to anyone, even though they won't play them at home. But if they were, I would fancy Philly to win. So uh, yeah, Philly for me. So that means in the semis then, it would be New England versus New York City. And we talk about pressure. They must be the most amount of pressure. The biggest pressure in the playoffs must be on New England to to see the job through. Yeah, but uh, having got a bye in the first round, a um, bit more fit, bit more fitness than uh, than mm. NYCFC. Uh, uh, you have to back. You have to back them to win that at home. You do, but I mean, remember this. That would mean. I mean, every team's already had a two week break. New England are going to then have a. What would it be like? A nearly a three week. Yeah, but break. it's more the more the fatigue of NYCFC. I'm referring mm. to here. Okay. Um, versus a fresh New England team who are good on their day anyway. You know what? I'm going to, I think this would be the shock. Oh, here we go. I think that there's a reason why there's the this uh, sort of jinx against teams that win Supporters Shield to win MLS Cup. I love New England. We've praised them all season. Hey, I've got even a bet on them to get to MLS Cup. So I'm hoping that New England, uh, you know, get through. But I can just see New York City going. If it was Atlanta, 
I think New England would win just because of, as I said, I trust Atlanta more at home and away. If it's New York City, I can see them going there and getting something. So if we continue our bracket, I'm going to go NYCFC. Wow, okay. That's uh, big. The other one will be Nashville versus, uh, well, it'd be Philadelphia versus Nashville, maybe, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So um, what do you think of this one? Uh, I have chosen Nashville. Really? Yeah. Something t- something tells me that they've, they're going to grind it out. Great little club. Great little club. Um, yeah, no, I just, I fancy them. I don't have a real reason. Do you know when you just, I just fancy it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Philadelphia with them being at home. That makes sense. Yeah. It, yeah. So uh, I, I've already said why I would choose Philadelphia being at home. Nashville, great home record. But um, as I've said, a great home record means that you've not got as great a weight record. Yeah. They do draw a lot of games. I think Philadelphia would win that. So that would then leave the conference final to be. Mine would be Philadelphia versus NYCFC. And mine's New England versus Nashville. Mm. So we've gone different on this one. I like that. So who's getting in the MLS Cup for you? Well, this is where I do agree with you. I don't think New England make it. Wow. And I think Nashville are in the final. It's funny you say that because I said there about the jinx. If New England got to the conference final, I think they'd then get to MLS Cup. I think winning that first game would be a massive thing for them. Whereas... You obviously think they'll win the first one. I just one think the Nashville momentum, the Nashville trains just rolling. I just, I don't know. I just, I mean, Orlando might beat them in the first game, but uh, no, I just, I'm just backing them. Would you, if Orlando won and then got to the conference final, would you say they beat New England? No. No. So. Uh, Sorry, do you want me to think about it first? <laughs> um, well, no. No. Um, so mine, uh, Philadelphia versus NYC FC. This is where I've got to go with Philadelphia again. I'm, I'm, I, I think home record is great. NYC FC, uh, we said in our 90 second soccer video at the weekend, they are one of the dark horses. Yeah. I genuinely think they are, but I think Philadelphia would beat them in the conference final. So that would leave Seattle for me, Seattle v Philadelphia. Yeah. For you. It would be... Seattle, Nashville. Seattle, Nashville. Now, I'm just going to double check while we're here. So Philadelphia and Nashville both ended up on 54 points. Seattle finished on 60, of course. So that would mean that both matches would be at Seattle. Does that influence your decision? Uh, no, because I'd pick Seattle to win. (laughs) Uh, To be honest, um, yeah, if Seattle were at home in MLS Cup, I think they'd win as well. We saw it a few years ago against Toronto. You know, there are some some MLS teams who they've already got the fan bases there. They would really get behind it. Seattle are one of those. MLS Cup in Seattle, a season after losing the final in Columbus and also a season where they didn't really get to see the, the team. They would get behind it, and I think it will be Seattle's to win. So, unfortunately, and as boring as it sounds, we've both gone for the same team to win MLS Cup. But doesn't that tell you a lot, is that even through different routes, it's come out the same, Seattle, to win MLS Cup. I think that says a lot. It does say a lot. However, what also says a lot is the amount of times that we've actually been wrong about stuff this season. (laughs) Uh, So we won't be the only uh, MLS podcast or YouTube channel doing their bracket prediction. Let's face it, they'll all do it. But something that they won't be doing is going to the spirits, going to a higher power and deciding how each team will do 
in MLS Cup. So what we're doing here on the MLS UK show now is we are getting um, we're getting some advice from the higher spirits by using tarot cards. So uh, my mum's got some tarot cards. Don't know where she got them from, but uh, we had to go into the back of a cupboard to get them. Sorry, what's happening? Uh, we are going to be deciding how each team does in MLS. So if you are a betting person, uh, gamble responsibly. I, I should point that out before we, we do a feature where we are going to tarot cards. Uh, but this might influence your decision. So we're going to go for each team and we're going to pick out a tarot card. Now I will read you which card that they have got mm. and uh, then we will tell you what that means. Okay? So the purpose of this is normally is it's to tell the future. It's to look at the past, present and future. We're just looking at the future and we are going to see how each team will do in the MLS playoffs. So, Elliot, we're going to start with the team who was seventh in the West. That was Real Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to choose a number between 1 and 14. I've got 14 cards laid out here, and uh, this will prove to us that it is completely random, and we'll see how each team's going to do. Uh, eight. Eight. So, number eight for RSL is the world card... Now, what that means is the world card symbolizes completion and accomplishment. It seems one is about to achieve something. Mm. So could RSL be about to pull off a shock? Could RSL be going to do well in the playoffs? Well, they play in Seattle first, so... It uh, would be a shock. It would be a shock, yeah. Uh, so let's go to uh, Red Bulls then. So we'll choose another, another number. Number four. So number four, that is the, the, oh, it's the High Priestess card. What that means is, it means it encourages us to look inwards to find the answers. So could there be a player that Red Bulls aren't picking at the moment, but should pick? Really clutching at straws here. Yeah, we are. Um, okay, pick another number. This is for Vancouver. Number one. Number one. Oh, the Fool card. Oh, sorry, guys. Although the Fool card isn't necessarily a bad thing. The Fool card encourages curiosity and an open mind. So the best thing to do is go with your gut. I've got an open mind when it comes to Vancouver in the uh, in the playoffs. I yeah. don't I don't think they're going to do it, but... You're open to them doing it? Yes. Okay. Uh, right, I'm going to group these together now. So we have got, uh, let's see. So we've got 12 cards now. So pick a number between 1 and 12. Uh, six. Six, okay. So this is for the team that finished um, sixth in the East. And do you remember who that is? Orlando. It's Orlando. And Orlando have the strength card. Oh, I don't know what it means, but I'm excited. The strength card represents calmness and patience. Their goals will be achieved by quietly influencing others rather than outwardly challenging competitors. Ooh. What that means is... Don't make as much noise and you'll be successful. <laughs> so stay out of my Twitter timeline. Seattle to all Orlando fans. Uh, right, let's move now to the fifth in the West. That was Minnesota. So actually, I counted it wrong. You've got 10 to choose from. Brilliant. Uh, nine. Nine. So Minnesota. Oh, that's the hanged man card. Now, what that means... You don't want that. You don't want that. Oh, maybe you do because it means you need to pause... Look around and take stock. Think of new ideas. 
So what that new could, formation, new formation it could mean. Obviously, Minnesota have been we've discussed have been up and down this season. So maybe it's a, to Minnesota going. You've been on an upward curve, kind of stagnated a little bit this year. So let's just leave playoffs and start again next against year. Portland. Eight at the back yeah. and hope for the best. Uh, right now we move back to the East and remember who were fifth in the East. Yeah, Atlanta United. So this is a big one. So go on, you've got nine to choose from. I'm going to choose number two for Atlanta. Two. So Atlanta is the Empress card. What does that mean? That means, let me consult my list. It means uh, remains calm and allows things to happen naturally. They are one with beauty and connects with nature. That's that's nice. That describes Atlanta perfectly. I don't know what it means for the playoffs, but uh, it's a nice card. Mm. Uh, right okay fourth in the west then so we now move to portland that would have been ideal for portland actually so maybe the spirits aren't working but you've got between one and eight eight okay so eight so if atlanta gets at one with nature uh uh-oh portland have got the death card what have i done that means it's the end of an old cycle and the beginning of a new one oh dear so uh yeah, don't, I don't think you need to explain that one. Don't be. Uh, I feel. I feel that. Um, yeah, Portland's head coach might be uh, wanting to look at other other jobs. Um, okay, let's go to fourth in the East then, and that was New York City FC. You've got seven cards to choose from. Five, number five. Okay, New York City FC. That's the Hermit card. Now the Hermit card means vast knowledge, but he's still looking for answers. I think that's fair. Fair for New York City FC. I think they, uh, they, they, you know, they've done well in their time in MLS. They have got vast knowledge. They've got great players. But perhaps maybe if you look at the staging thing, they are still looking for answers. Yeah, fair play. Uh, right, okay. Now it's to number three in the West. That's SKC. You have got six cards to choose from. Number one. Number one for SKC. That is the Emperor card. Now, what does the Emperor card mean? He may be old and wise, but he's strong and stubborn. Peter Vermees, maybe, mm. uh, will be successful by taking firm and deliberate action. I'm just looking to see if the... Uh, so the only way that the Emperor could meet the Empress is in the actual MLS Cup final. Mm. Could happen. Probably won't, but could happen. It won't. Uh, okay, we've got five to choose from now. We're now going to Nashville. Great little club. Great little club. I'm going to go for number five. Number five for Nashville. They have got the justice card. Mm. So what the justice card means is a fair and balance in the world. And I think for a team that um, probably drew as many as they won at home, that's fair and balanced, I guess. Uh, Okay, four left. Now we're going to number two in the West. That was, of course, Seattle. So you've got four cards to choose from. Number three. Number three. That is the chariot card. Now, the chariot card for Seattle, that means they move forward through the willpower of its driver. And who is its driver? Brian Schmetzer. Brian Schmetzer. That makes sense. There we go. We have got one that makes sense. Uh, right. Number two in the uh, in the east, of course, was Philadelphia. So you've got three cards to choose from. Number one. Number one. Philadelphia. I've got the magician card. And that you must come up with new ideas, persist with them and remain committed and it will bring success. Maybe new ideas is actually doing well in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so that could actually work. Uh, right. Two left then. It's uh, going to break from the diamond. 
Oh, wow. You've heard it here first. Well, the cards have told us that that's going to happen. Um, okay, two. We've got break from the diamond. Colorado, one or two? One. One. Colorado is the judgment card. What that means is it represents a rebirth or awakening at the end of a major event. Yeah. It's the, it is their rebirth. It's a reinvention of a team that have been... Post-COVID. Yeah. I mean, they have been superb. Yeah. And now they are heading towards MLS Cup. Blossoming. Uh, so that leaves one card left, and that's the New England Revolution, and that's the Wheel of Fortune card. What that means is life can be unpredictable, but good fortune is on its way. And there we go. So the cards have told us that New England Revolution will be the MLS Cup champions. You've heard it here first. And because of that, that means that the bet I had at the start of the season is coming in, and I will be slightly richer. Yeah, we've really given you some insight there. Um, New England Revolution, a very strong team going into the playoffs. Um, definitely put a bet on because you'll get great odds. Great odds. Uh, They're such an outside runner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, well, that's it for our MLS uh, play- playoff preview episode. Thank you so much for John Champion for being on the show. We really appreciate the time he gave us and the insight as well. Um I mean, we asked John uh, off air and he couldn't help us out with this. So, Elliot, who is the answer to the game with a changing name? Because I don't think anyone knows. This is a player that played in the UK and in MLS. Uh, They were born in uh, 1984 in France and they started their career at Estoril in Portugal. They played for Boa Vista, Reading, Bristol City, New England Revolution, Derby County, Bangkok United, Bangkok Glass... Uh, Tero Sasana and Central Coast Mariners 331 appearances in total scoring 15 goals they're a defensive midfielder so it makes sense it was Khalifa Cisse oh I have heard of Khalifa Cisse I didn't know he played for New England Revolution though yeah six whole times Uh, I'm sure he'll be watching on in the playoffs supporting his former team. Absolutely. Um, Thank you very much for watching and listening to this. Uh, Enjoy the playoffs. As I said, we'll be back for our MLS Cup preview episode, uh, which uh, I can't wait for already, uh, although I don't want to wish the playoffs away because, as I said at the start of the episode, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving from myself, Elliot Holman. And me, Henry Hewitt. See ya. Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.